Now we're turning this morning in our Bibles to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. I'm not going to read the whole of the psalm. I just want to read the opening part. Psalm 106. We'll read from verse 1, reading, of course, from the authorized version. Let's hear the word of the Lord for our souls today. Appreciate you bringing your copy of the Bible with you and reading in the book. It's very important that we do that. And even you who are at home, get your own copy of the scriptures. Even though the words come up on the screen, make sure they're right. You see the words before you and hear the word and let's pray the word into our souls Psalm 106 verse 1 Praise ye the Lord O give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord who can show forth all his praise. Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Come to the end of the chapter and we'll look together at the last few verses. We read in verse 44, Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude of mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captive. Save us, O Lord our God. And gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy holy name and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from Psalm 106, verses 4 and 5. It reads as follows, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy choosing, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. I've entitled this message, A Remembrance Prayer 
for every Christian. Now this is Remembrance Sunday. And on this occasion, like in past years, we stand to remember those who have died in two world wars and subsequent conflicts since. Again today, we think of the brave men and women of the United Kingdom Armed Forces, the British Army, the Royal and Merchant Navy, the Royal Air Force, those who paid the supreme sacrifice in laying down their lives that we might enjoy and experience political, civil, and religious freedom. Young people, World War I was known as the Great War. You'll learn about that in history, in the history class at school. Some politicians called it the war to end all wars, but I want to tell you that was wishful thinking. That was a mere forlorn hope. That was the puny wisdom of men that were speaking because those who uttered such a word, a war to end all wars, didn't know the depths of human depravity, nor did they know the capability of the human heart for sin and evil apart from the grace of God. Is it any wonder that the Reverend George Whitfield in the 18th century called the human heart a monster of iniquity? Why? For within 21 years, after World War I, the whole world was plunged once more into another tremendous conflict. A conflict that was so fierce and bloody and so deadly that literally millions upon millions died in the years 1939 to 1945. And even today, the brave men and women of our security forces here in Northern Ireland have been called upon at times to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to maintain the rule of law against terrorism and against tyranny. In this very province, blood has been spilled. And in other parts of the world, since the end of World War II, and we can think of Syria, we can think of Iraq, we can think of Afghanistan. We can think of various parts of the Middle East. And even today, there's an ongoing struggle against evildoers and against terrorists. Let's remember this, that in every age, they are devil-inspired, sin-loving individuals who would love to take from us our basic freedoms and even our Protestant way of life. Sometimes I wonder, even in 2020, despite repeated acts of remembrance, visitations to the cenotaph and back, do we really appreciate just how good God has been to this united kingdom? Even despite the present threat from dissident republicans, a threat that's real, a threat that's growing, a threat that will attempt to push us into a united Ireland even without consent, Yet despite this threat, the Lord has allowed us to enjoy what? Well, here we are again this morning, the right of free assembly. The right to an open Bible. Freedom of conscience and worship. Freedom of speech. Freedom of the press. Freedom of the judiciary from, from government interference. Freedom to live and work and act according to our conscience. Uh, could I tell you this morning, especially you young people, listen to me carefully. These are great freedoms. 
And in the past, dictators like Hitler and others have arisen to attempt to take away these freedoms. But why are we still a free people? Because the Lord in his great mercy for his glory has allowed us to enjoy these great freedoms. And in a great degree, we this morning still have political freedoms where every citizen is called upon to uphold the rule of law. Nobody remembers above the law. All men are equal under the law, from the prince on the throne to the pauper in the street. And I've already said this. These are great blessings. These are real privileges. And I repeat them every Sunday that we have our act of remembrance because I don't want you to take them for granted. I don't want you to forget them. I trust that we won't forget them because they are to be cherished. They are to be remembered. I've told you in the past that the word remember, if you look at our text, Psalm 106, verse 4, remember. That word remember is used 210 times in the Bible. The first reference is Genesis 8 and 1. And God remembered Noah. And do you know that the word remembrance and remembering, if we add them all together, they come to 263 references. What a blessed truth. What a glorious thought. Why so many? Here's the reality. We are prone to forget We're prone to leave off thinking about and pondering not only who God is, but the things of God and the things of the gospel, things to do with the personal work of Christ, things to do with our personal salvation. And here in Psalm 106, in a very unique setting, the psalmist uses the words as he prays to the Lord, Remember me. I want to put it to you this morning. This is an inspired prayer. This is a prayer, I believe, for every one of you as a child of God. And if you're a child of God and you're saying to me, but when it comes to prayer, I haven't a clue what to say, Reverend McLaughlin. Then take up these words and just repeat them into the ears of the Lord. Like the psalmist, you can pray, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy choosing, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. You see, this prayer helps us to take stock of our lives. This is a prayer for you and I to pray before the Lord. This is really what I'm going to call, as I've said, this is a remembrance prayer. A remembrance prayer for every child of God on Remembrance Day. Now, with that introduction, I want to show you three things. I want you to think, first of all, of the setting of this Remembrance Prayer. You see, this Remembrance Prayer is set in the context of Psalm 106. Well, you can see that. We've already read it. The prayer is really in verses 3 and 4. And you see, this whole psalm, Psalm 106, let me just put it this way. This psalm is to make us think about our sin. To take sin seriously. 
not to treat it lightly. And this psalm not only makes us think about the Savior, but it makes us think about our sovereign. It makes us think about the Lord who is absolutely in control of all things to do with time, events, and people. And this ultimately is a psalm then to make us think about the Savior. To take him seriously, not to treat him lightly. See, look how the psalm begins. Praise ye the Lord. You can see that there. If you've got a margin in your Bible, if you look at the Hebrew, you've got one word, hallelujah. Imagine starting a prayer with hallelujah. You, you, you see, here's an initial call to praise the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. Immediately, the psalmist is brought by faith into a, a spirit of victory. In spite of all his woes, in spite of grief, in spite of that he's having a rough time, that he's facing setbacks, that he's struggling with particular sins, the sins of the nation. And are we struggling with the sins of our nation at this time? We really don't know what to, to make of them. We know their sins. But maybe you're struggling with a particular sin, a private sin, a, 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 a very public sin. Despite the woes and griefs that the psalmist was facing, despite every tragedy that he could imagine that was coming into his life, he knew that he could enter into a spirit of victory, that he could have faith in God. Notice how the psalm ends. If you go back there to the very last verse. And let all the people say amen. The word amen means so shall it be. It's not just the end of the prayer. And notice again the words. Praise ye the Lord. That's the Hebrew word hallelujah. So he opens and closes this prayer with the shout of victory. With the spirit of victory. Now look with me at verse 2. Or verse 1, rather, will give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Here's an exhortation. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Two reasons. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And here's the second reason. His mercy endureth forever. And did you know, I've actually just discovered this. It's wonderful to see something new in the Bible, isn't it? Those words are repeated six times in the scriptures. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. It, it's mentioned here. It's mentioned in Psalm 107, verse 1. Psalm 118, verse 1. Psalm 118, verse 29. Psalm 136, verse 1. And in 1 Chronicles 16, verses 34 and 35. Six times. Now, I'm not going to preach a sermon on that. We'll leave that to some other time. But that would be a great sermon for Thanksgiving, wouldn't it? But why six times in the Bible? Six times the same words are repeated. Why? Do you know why? It's very simple. So that you'll pick up on it. So that you'll hear that God has kept on saying this to you. Do you know why? Because we're so forgetful. We're so prone 
to forget. We're, we're so prone to be cast down with the circumstances of life. We're, we're so prone to be depressed by the things that happen. And we feel we're so bowed down with pressures that we, we're, we're prone to forget about him and leave him out of the picture. We're, we're, we're prone to, to, to uh, fail to turn to him. Failed even to give him thanks for our puny existence and our lives. Surely we have to confess this morning that we don't thank the Lord enough. What should we thank the Lord for? What could you thank the Lord for? Could we not thank the Lord that he is good? Could we not thank the Lord for his mercy, his loving kindness that endures forever? That, that's what the psalmist does. And, and, and then he asks this, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who, who, can, who can tell what the Lord has done? Who can show forth all his praise? You, you, you think of the, the little hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And you begin to count those blessings physically, materially. Count the blessings nationally. Some of the blessings and privileges I've mentioned in the introduction, think about them. Those basic freedoms. We can thank the Lord for them. We can thank the Lord for what he's done for us spiritually. Look, look, look with me at verse 3. Blessed are they that keep judgment and he that doeth righteousness at all times. The word blessed means happy, happy. Oh, the happiness. Because the Bible says happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And oh, that we could discover that the Lord himself is the ultimate source of happiness. The ultimate source of joy. The ultimate source of comfort. Young people often forget that. So they head down to the pub to get drunk or, or want to experiment with drugs or, or, or want to have some sort of sexual fulfillment outside of marriage. And they forget that the ultimate source of happiness is the Lord and the Lord himself. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Now that's the initial introduction and that's part of the setting. Here's the individual inspired by the Spirit of God to call on the Lord in prayer. And what's the prayer about? A prayer for God to visit him with salvation and deliverance. He, he longs for favor of the Lord. He's undergoing a very difficult time. Maybe you're undergoing a difficult time. He's facing the storms of life. He's struggling with sin. He's saying, Lord, I don't know a way out, but I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to step in. I'm asking you to come and save me in a particular set of circumstances. Even me, Lord, visit me. The third part of this psalm, Psalm 106, is a long confession of the nation's sins. I'm not going to preach on it. Let me just mention it. It sins during the Exodus, verses 6 right through to 12. Sins during the wilderness wanderings, verse 13 to 33. Sins in the land of Canaan, verse 34 to 43. And all the while, even though the children of Israel sinned against the Lord and rebelled against him and forgot him and turned their back on him, all the while, God remained covenant faithful to his people. He, he showed forth his covenant faithfulness to them despite their sin and despite that they were worthy of judgment. You see, Psalm 106 emphasizes God's goodness and mercy against the backdrop of Israel's repeated sins. 
And it's not the history of God, not only in Bible times, but even in our times. God showing continuous mercy and acts of deliverance, even in the face of sin and rebellion, and our forgetfulness and forsaking of him. What a wonderful God we have. And notice how the psalm closes. There's a repeated note of praise and restoration. And you've got to think of the words in verse 47 and verse 48. Um, not, not going to preach in them. Uh, suited to uh, the ancient land of Israel. But equally suited to the Israel of God today. Save us and gather us. If God is going to save his ancient people. If God is going to gather his ancient people. Then how much more will he, will, he, will he gather his elect from the four corners of the world? See, what a wonderful thing it is to be in the right company. And the psalmist is praying that he would not be in the wrong company. That he realizes to have a testimony that he belongs to the Lord is real and precious. And, and he knows it's the Lord who keeps us. So that we as a child of God will not live and talk and think and act like the ungodly. He wants to maintain a testimony. So that's why he says, save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy holy name and to triumph in thy praise. There's the setting of this prayer of remembrance. Now notice, secondly, as we focus in now in a very microscopic way, to the substance of this remembrance prayer. This prayer, remember, is against the backdrop of the psalmist realizing how great sin is, and he's come to an understanding, at least in a measure, of its depths and depravity. See, you've got to think of the verse 6 here. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. And he knows that his sin is very great. So you think of him struggling with great sin. Like I've said, maybe you're struggling with great sin. Privately, publicly, personally, particularly. And he not only knows that he's struggling with sin, but he knows the storms of life are very great. And maybe you're going through a storm right now in your family, struggling with things. Aren't we all, in a sense, struggling to, to come to terms with the the sudden death of our dear brother, Dr. Kearns, struggling to come to death or come to terms with the death of others that we knew and loved who are taken from us even since Mother's Day. And here we are, Remembrance Day. And what did we do? Well, the psalmist cried out to the Lord. You see, he didn't take it lightly, he didn't shrug his shoulders. He didn't say, well, sin's no big deal and my struggles are no big deal. No, he, he, he knows. It's nothing to do with how many times he has sinned. He knows he can still come to the Lord and plead for mercy. And no matter how many storms and struggles he gets through, he knows that he can still come to the Lord and plead for mercy. And that's what he's doing in verses 3 and 4. I want you to think of a particular remembrance here. Remember me, O Lord. In what way? Look at the text. Do you see it there? With the favor that thou bearest unto thy people, who visit me with thy salvation. See, the word remember, it means to call to mind. 
It's having a, a, a mental recollection. It's having your mind full of thoughts about a particular thing. You, you think of this, the first reference for the word remember, and the late Dr. Paisley always told us that the key to understanding things in the Bible was the, the first mention, called the law of first mention in hermeneutics. And where do we first read of the word remember? Genesis 8 and 1. And what does it say? And God remembered Noah. Now, now think of that. That means that God had inward thoughts about Noah. God was calling Noah to mind. God was having a mental recollection. His mind was full of thoughts of Noah. But it was not only inward thoughts. It, it, it led to outward action. Because Noah, who was in the thoughts and minds of God, then God come to Noah and revealed himself and, and, and showed Noah grace and favor. It's interesting that the psalmist linked this up. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. See that word favor? That, 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 that word favor, it means a, a kindness, a goodness. Um, it, it means to have desires toward and off. It means to, to set your affections on. It, it, it means to, to set your whole heart on. Now, now you think of that. Remember me, Lord. Not only think about me, but set your whole heart in me. Lord, let your desires be toward me. Lord, be wholehearted to me in my circumstance and my situation. See, the psalmist was thinking about the blessings of this life. He was thinking of the blessings of the world to come, how God had blessed him physically, how God had blessed him materially, blessed him mentally, blessed him emotionally, blessed him financially, blessed him in the nation when he was king of Israel. Blessed him with the, the spiritual truths that, that the Lord was his God, that he was the Lord's child. And, and at the end of life, he would go to be with the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, in this particular remembrance, he's pleading for the Lord to visit him. This isn't a dry, formal plea. This is a cry from the heart. He's seeking God with his whole being. His heart and mind is engaged. He's sincere. He's wholehearted. He's fervent. His desire is to the Lord. And it's a cry for divine help. A cry for divine intervention. And isn't it wonderful this morning that the Lord does visit sinners with salvation? Isn't it a wonderful thing to be a Christian? Aren't you glad that you're saved? And you're, you're blood washed and spirit born. And you're a child of the king. No matter what happens in life on its journey. Whether it's short or long. Isn't it wonderful to know that the Lord does visit the saints. In all kinds of ways. You see the word salvation here is broad enough. Not just for saving the soul. But for, for all kinds of deliverance. Personal deliverance. Deliverance is in need of the church. Deliverance is in need of the country. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord can visit the empty and the helpless lives of men and women and resurrect them and bring them to newness of life, visit them in regeneration, visit them in redemption, 
visit them in, in renewal and, 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 and visit them with, with recognition that he can bestow upon them all the blessings and benefits of the children of God. That's what the psalmist is praying for. He has seen this. Remember me, O Lord, with what? The favor that thou dost bear us unto thy people. And what sort of favor ever? Not only in my thoughts, but his actions toward me. That's going to do me good in life and do me good in the world to come. That's what he prays for. He knows something of the riches of God. He knows that God can bestow grace and favor. So he longs for that. That's what he prays for. That's what I said. It's a particular remembrance. Notice very quickly here, it's a positive remembrance. If you look at verse 5, you'll see the word that. And that's a demonstrative. Here's the reason that he offers the prayer. That I may see the good of thy choosing. That I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. That I may glory with thine inheritance. See, this is a positive remembrance. That I may see the good of thy chosen. That I may know the gladness of thy nation and the glory of thine inheritance. You see, he's elaborating here. This is what he really, really longed for. He wants this triple blessing of God in his life. This is what he wants the Lord to bestow. Lord, I want to see the good of thy chosen. Remember, the goodness of God is rooted in his grace. In the goodness of God, he gives and grants grace and favor to sinners and to saints. Goodness doesn't belong to any of us who are sinners naturally. We don't inherit goodness uh, inherently. It's bestowed. It, it comes as a, a gift. Remember, there's, there's none good but one. That is God. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus said to the rich young ruler? The Lord himself is eternally good. He's sinlessly good. He's perfectly good. He's, he's wonderfully good. But hasn't he been good to all his creatures? You, you think of the ungodly men. Doesn't the Lord make the sun to rise and set in them? Doesn't the Lord make the rain to fall in the fields of the ungodly as well as the, the, the godly? Doesn't God give life and breath to all, even to the animals? Isn't he good to sinful men? And out of his goodness flows grace and love and mercy in a common way toward them. And even though they don't know the goodness of God that's leading them to repentance, they forget that and forsake that. Yet the same God supplies all that they need on the passage of life. I, I believe if you understand this, um, positive remembrance correctly that, that the psalmist wanted to have a good standing before the Lord. He wanted to be legally right with the Lord. It's not a blessed feature and a glorious truth. Remember what Paul says in Romans 3 and verse 24. He said this, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And he not only wanted a good standing with the Lord, but he wanted to be in a good state with the Lord. As a justified and legally righteous man, he wanted to do good. He wanted to do what was right before the Lord. Could I ask this morning, how do you see yourself? Are you 
a saved individual? Do you know and love the Lord? Was there a time in your life when you trusted Christ, you experienced his salvation? But you're not only have a testimony that you're saved this morning, but you're spiritually minded. You, 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 you cry and pray to the Lord. You struggle with sin. Yes, you struggle with storms in life. But, but, but you, you also have a desire to see a work done for God. And that's manifest in your outward life. You're like Barnabas. You're a good man. You're full of faith. But you're also full of the Holy Ghost. And because of that, you're generous toward the work of God in your time and in your tithe. See, that's what he wanted. To see the good of thy choosing. Those that have a right standing with thee. Those that are in a good state. Let me see the good of them. And let me follow that example. He also wanted to be part of a chosen nation. Do you know what the Bible says over there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9? But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Strictly speaking, it applies to the nation of Israel. But in a wider sense, and also in a biblical sense, it applies to the Israel of God today, to all who are in Christ He's thinking of the gladness of belonging to a chosen nation. He takes delight. How many this morning take delight in belonging to a certain nation, the United Kingdom? I'm British. The United States of America, I'm an American. Stand and salute the flag and sing the national anthem. I'm Irish. How many are proud to be Irish? But you think of not the United Kingdom or the United States of America or, or, or even nationality. We'll move it away from that. Think of a nation of believers. A great multitude of men and women from all over the world that belong to the Lord from every class and creed under heaven. And that's what he's thinking about. Oh, the joy and the happiness of belonging to such a nation because that's an eternal nation. That nation has a sovereign that will never ever be defeated. A sovereign who's limited in his power, who rules supreme. A, 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 a nation and a kingdom whose existence will never end. We live in a changing world. One day our own lives will end. And all that we cling to will be taken from it. And what is left? Well, what ought to be left is a testimony before the Lord that we belong to this nation of believers. Do you belong to this nation of believers? Two nations on earth, I believe. A nation that we'll call a nation of Christians and a nation of Christless ones. God only has one true people. And that's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about the gladness of thy nation. And also he wants to experience and enjoy the glory of God's inheritance. See, God has an inheritance for us. That inheritance is being prepared. It's reserved in heaven for you. It's tailor-made. And that's exactly what this positive remembrance is all about. Very quickly, let me just move on. There's a personal remembrance here. Notice the word me. You should circle that. You should underline that. You could put your own name in. Do you know what someone has said, and I believe it's right? A visit from Christ is the cure for all spiritual disease and need. Here's the psalmist telling the Lord about great sins. He feels them. He's making his own confession. 
And he's saying, Lord, visit me with thy salvation. Lord, grant me thy favor. Here's the psalmist facing great storms in life. And he feels that he's forgotten. He feels he's alone. He's a field that he's abandoned. Maybe that's the way you feel. I wonder how Noah felt. And God remembered Noah, Genesis 8 and 1. Remember, he's in the boat. 40 days and 40 nights, the rain is upon the earth. Maybe those that are in the boat with them as the family are saying, this is crazy, Dad. This boat's going to sink. We're all going to die. And maybe Noah's thinking, Lord, have you forgotten me? And yet, what do we read? And God remembered Noah. And Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. And what's true of Noah is true of you in Christ. You can pray, remember me. Because you're his child. And as his child, he loves you with an everlasting love. He's engraving you in the palms of his hand. At this minute, he's thinking of you and me in Christ. It's, it's impossible for him to forget one of his own. It's impossible for him to fail you. It's impossible for him to forsake you. For we have his word. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There's the substance of this prayer. And let me finish this morning by speaking on the sweetness of this remembrance prayer. See, I've already told you this is an inspired prayer. Where do we find this prayer? Not in the prayer book, but we find it in the Holy Scriptures. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the Holy Spirit inspired David to pray this prayer. This is a prayer not just for David. I believe this is a prayer for all our lives. Do you know this is a prayer that you can pray? A remembrance prayer on Remembrance Day. Let, let me wrap this up. Do you struggle with sins this morning? Do you see your sins as great sins? Do you treat it lightly? Do you just shrug your soldiers or shoulders and forget about it? Aren't we prone to forget? We are well aware of our failures. We're all aware that we have a monster of iniquity, of depravity in our hearts. There's no sin that we're not capable of committing, apart from the grace of God. So we have to face up to the fact that we do struggle with sin. And let me say this, we struggle with the storms of life. Things happen and we don't understand. We're brought into the depths of darkness and difficulty. But you know the wonderful thing about struggling with great sins, struggling with great storms of life, is we can go to the Lord. Not only can we ask the Lord for forgiveness and, and cleansing and restoration and help as we gain victory to overcome these sins, but we can ask the Lord for divine intervention in the storms of life. We can ask the Lord to come to our aid. And that's exactly what the psalmist is doing. And it's not only a prayer for struggling with sins and a prayer for the storms of life, but even a prayer for spiritual service. Remember what he wanted. He wanted to see what? The good of thy choosing, the gladness of the nation, the glory of thine inheritance. Turn over there to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 13. And look with me at the verse 14. I've just discovered this text of scripture. 
Nehemiah said, and this is him at the end of his life, after he has built the great city of Jerusalem or seen it rebuilt under him. This is what he said, remember me. Same words, you see. Oh my God, concerning this. Concerning what? That's the building of Jerusalem. And wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. Do you know that even your spiritual service, the Lord looks upon it? Even the works of your hands, he, he notices them. And he looks mercifully and he sees your efforts. And, and he, he bears that as a lasting testimony. That all that you have and all that you do, you owe it to the Lord. And ultimately it's up to the Lord to take notice and cognizance of it. And that's part of this prayer. There's a sweetness here because despite the struggle of sin, the struggle of the storms, despite his service, the Lord favors him with the favor of his chosen. I trust this morning that you'll remember this prayer. You'll have it as a remembrance prayer for yourself. And the Lord will help us to pray it. And I've only scratched the surface that will open it up even more to our understanding. Thank you for coming and thank you for listening.